Welcome, reanimated fans, to this week's episode. I'm H.A. Conrad, coming to you from Brooklyn, here, as always, with my intrepid co-host, Stuart Tiffin, fresh from getting flu shots. How are you doing today? A little sore, a little sore, but yes, great, thank you. Do you get any of the after effects? I feel generally crappy for like three days after I get the shots, but then I'm fine. Pretty mild. I think it just, just a little bit of aching mm. in the old shoulder area, but yeah, otherwise, okay. Yeah, well, good. Good for you. Now we're all flu shotted up, so that's good. Um, in uh, COVID no- news here, uh, cases are going up in New York, specifically in certain communities, i.e. the Orthodox Jewish communities, um, because they don't... Oh, not again. Yep. They don't believe that the masks work, so none of them are wearing them. And we have, for the first time in a long time, gone over a thousand cases and there have been many deaths, um, or several deaths more so than we had been seeing, and it's all limited to those communities. Um, it's pretty, it's pretty rough, and everybody's concerned that this may spread again and cause another loop. Um, so, I don't know what's going to happen. We will see. Um, and then, in terms of other things happening, uh, the mayor basically just gave all the restaurants extensions so that um, the outdoor dining thing that they've been doing in order to basically try to save their businesses is now a year-round thing, and they can basically serve outside. That said, if they set up sort of like tents with heaters and stuff, the same rules apply for the amount of – you can only have like 25% occupancy. So I don't know how much that helps them. Um, and then the indoor dining thing with 25% occupancy starts, I think, next week. Um, but again, I don't know how many people are actually going to partake of that. So um, let's hope that they can squash the curve that has been happening, but it's a little bit scary. Um, I saw that they reported actually over the weekend, um, I think, three or four deaths in Brooklyn. Um, not my area of Brooklyn, a different neighborhood, but still, it's pretty, it's a little concerning. Um, and we Our will... death count has gone uh, uh, the, like as far as our daily, it was up around a thousand, not uh, last week, and now it's back under a thousand a day. Death count or or yeah, mm. yeah, death count. Yeah. So anyway, we're, we're still getting forty five thousand or so cases every twenty four hours. Well, and there's been a lot of talk in the news. I mean, because there there's definitely been very strong voices that are, you know, because. Um, some health officials have gone into those communities to try to like help and there's been pushback from the Orthodox community saying that they're basically being forced into ghettos, um, which is a tough, you know, message. Um, I think there's some concern that maybe this is, this is actually the, um, sort of front runner of a, a forerunner of a new, um, like curve of cases, which I, I'm really a second wave, which it's, it's just, terrifying to think about because it's I don't want to say things have felt like normal because they definitely haven't but you're, you're there's slightly more freedom right now where you can like walk around and, and do stuff in a way that you kind of couldn't before so are we ready to talk about so, some zombie stuff we've got some news items before we talk about um the the episodes five and six of Lovecraft Country uh strange strange case and meet me in Daegu and uh and but there's actually a few news items, but we'll probably zoom through those pretty quickly. Um, I just wanted to point out that Forbes has gone back to some of their zombie reporting, and it made me kind of happy hmm. to see. Because um, they've gotten sneak peeks of, uh, of things like the uh, the finale that's airing in a week. Yeah. And 
Yeah, so they're getting back on their uh, yeah. I deliberately didn't. Horse. I didn't put the finale in there because I just didn't want to spoil that for us. Um, though I did see that they had reviewed that. Um, but uh, one of the things that they were reviewing or talking about, there is um, again, it's like South Korea is all things zombie right now. That's that's the popular thing. Um, and they were reviewing this show that's basically about a, a zombie detective, um, which it's kind of an interesting premise. I don't know if we'll be able to see that here. I'm sure it will be available at some point since clearly our friends at Forbes were able to review it. Um, but uh, that's kind of, I don't know, it's a little iZombie, don't you think? Well, it, yeah, that's my first take and that's why i saw this headline and just cruised right on by i was like i need another version of i zombie like i need a hole in my uh, head. So i know you're not a fan i liked it a little bit on. more than you but still i did get it went off the rails a bit um but anyway maybe maybe if we're bored someday we have more than enough fodder to review in the coming weeks without yeah. question um then is this gonna stream in the u.s um, it sounds like, yes, it is, especially given the popularity of hashtag alive. So I think we'll probably see this on one of the streaming channels uh, pretty pretty soon. Um, so um, the, the next up is uh, Walking Dead World Beyond. They did a review. They saw a sneak preview. CNET. CNET did a review. Yeah. And th- th- I, have, I take umbrage with reviews like this of zombie shows by people who are not fans of the genre to begin with. You Agreed. and I, we've had this conversation before where they're like, there's nothing new about this, nothing fresh. I'm just like, get out. Right. I just feel like, you know, having somebody who's not a fan review this kind of thing is kind of silly. But anyway, uh, I didn't get too far into it. Again, didn't want to spoil it for myself, but it sounds like they gave it kind of mixed reviews, just said it was retreading the same ground. But all of us know that there's probably some nice Easter eggs in there for us uh given that you know this particular universe it's a different take on that and it's fast forwarded a few years forward so um i'm still gonna watch it and that premieres october 1st i think i honestly um, don't really understand the concept of doing a publishing a review before the episode is even available well to the i don't know like, i think what are you trying you're trying to turn people off of watching the show before I guess, it's even out but i mean look we all know that that that's not going to dissuade people like us from watching the show. No, so it seems we, sort we're of like make pointless. Up our own damn minds. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so I just thought that was I knew it would rile you up, which is part of why I included it in here. <laughs> um, okay. In other news and real news, you know my my terror of this particular thing, but the brain eating amoeba, amoeba in the water supply or in some water, like freshwater ponds and things like that, has uh, apparently been found in a in the Texas water supply of several cities, so they had to actually shut down the water and gave warnings that people had to either boil the water or just could only use it. To, they were like, using the toilet is okay, <laughs> which I thought was hilarious. Um, but basically, our friendly little brain-eating amoeba, um, what happens, um, because it is a part of sort of the water supply in general in Texas and some of the warmer states, is that if you don't treat uh, the water properly, like with chlorine or whatever it is before it goes into the water supply, it can end up in your house, meaning in your shower and things like that. And while I would say the danger of, of having this end up you know, eating your brain is somewhat slim because they've said that before. I mean, apparently this has been an issue for a while, so I think we'd see a lot more cases if that was if that was a problem. But I can we imagine see one every few months. Yeah, so it's usually like I went swimming in a quarry or something. Right, right? like or you have pond. to really like get it up your nose or whatever. So it's like you know, unless you're like really doing crazy stuff in the shower, I think maybe or the bath. Maybe yeah, yeah, yeah. I guess I, that's probably more danger to children. Um, but in any case, they they Grown had this take baths too. 
okay. Um, <laughs> uh, like, you know, yeah, but kids are more likely to, like, dunk their head on the water unless you're taking, like, a really intense bath, right? I don't know. Yeah, I, I'm not going to bath shame anybody. I'm not bath shaming. I'm just saying, like, it's hard because baths are small for big humans. Anyway, um, um, do we really? I don't know. I don't know, Stuart. Stuart, are you telling me that you take a bubble bath all the time? Is that what you're telling me? I would if I could. Me too. Our bath is not big enough for this. So maybe this is where I'm coming from. If I had one of those big soaking baths, maybe I would do that all the time. In Texas, you know, bathrooms are just bigger down there. That's true. That's true. Um, but in any case, just sort of tagging on to this this story, Chandler Riggs apparently did a silly PSA about it because, um, you know, he lives in Texas. So I just thought that was kind of funny. Anyway, stay away from the brain-eating amoeba, people. If I ever needed more reason why not to live in Texas, this might be it. Just in general, the southern states, this idea yeah. of the brain-eating amoeba freaks me out. A lot. It's freaky as much as there's levity about it. Honestly, any compromise to the water system yeah. is a huge problem yep. for any part, like any community. Well, I think because you don't, you don't, you take it for granted that you turn the tap on. What you're getting is good, clean, safe drinking water. And right. That's if it's not the case, that's a huge wake up. Well, and I think the thing that freaked me out the most about this particular story is that it was like many communities. It wasn't just like the water mm-hmm. supply of one town, which would be scary enough, but this was like several communities. It's enough, like a pretty big expanse of Texas because I guess they all get the water from the same. It's like um, they're all in one water district. Perhaps, yeah, yeah, but I mean, anyway, stay safe, Texans. We're, we're thinking about you out there. <laughs> and um, I'm glad uh, Chandler Riggs was getting on board with uh you know the warnings um but you know and i think the scariest thing about this thing is that the the symptoms of brainy amoeba amoeba look very flu-like and so even and and then even when they do catch it early it's there's very rarely anybody that gets cured from it so um it's a little terrifying um so anyway on on with more terrifying stuff that's fiction not real life because i just can't bear this story anymore um, we're going to be talking about Lovecraft Country, um, episodes five and six, Strange Case, um, and the Meet Me in uh, Daegu, and these are, um, you know, um, the the first was uh, written by Cheryl uh, Dunier and directed by Misha Green, Jonathan Kidd, no, other, or, way, around. other way around, sorry, directed by Cheryl Dunier and written by Misha Green, Jonathan Kidd. Sonia Winton um, Odom Odomitin, and um, basically, it. It, uh, yeah, not I know. Sorry, sorry for that <laughs> pronunciation. These are two amazing episodes. Can we just start with a with a disclaimer or whatever the opposite uh, of a disclaimer? There are two is? amazing episodes with very tied in themes. I'd say this is um, the. Uh, ruby based episode and i would say there's another tick based episode but this particular one is a ruby based episode with a little bit i would say um you know uh there is definitely a little bit of montrose and a parallel oh. with montrose in here definitely there's 100 percent some montrose going on uh yeah yeah oh and tick tick and letty do also have appearances in this episode but it certainly is more of a ruby story Right. And uh, and uh, William and Christina Braithwaite. Yep. Or William, whatever his last name is supposed to be, and Christina Braithwaite are also big players in this episode. Ruby, it starts with Ruby. I believe it ends with, no, it ends with Tick, actually. But it starts with Ruby um, waking up, not as Ruby, right. uh, but as the racist dog-wielding 
pseudo sheriff from that weird Amish town that they in- encountered yep. when they were in um, Artem. Uh, so that's weird. Like, you're just like, I, I recognize that woman. Why? Okay. I'm, I'm curious why they're using that woman again, that actor, or I'm sure there's a story reason. Uh, well, there's... Suggesting I mean, maybe she wasn't her back then. Yeah, they've... Um, no. Well, so they've morphed a couple of characters. There was another character that they apparently have written out um, and instead have put this person in place. Um, which is fine, um, sort of, although it's interesting the choice that they made because um, basically in the in the book, Ruby is supposed to wake up as this incredibly um, like model-like redhead um, who also is featured in the first story, but they wrote her out of this whole thing. So ah. I think they combined characters, but they needed it to be somebody you recognized. So we'll see, we'll see if it goes the way I think it will go um, later on. But you know she's that, that she... explains a little bit because I think they probably didn't change all of the writing about how Hillary Davenport is that yeah. her name or Haversham yeah, or something yeah. Davenport. how she how people react to her yeah and to me that always struck me as a, ringing a little false well that that's people why would react to this woman that that way because she is she's nice looking but she's. She's, nice. She's, that's about it. Yeah, and she's not. There's nothing extraordinary about her. And in the, it, you know, and I was sort of, I I agreed with you, and I understood it a little bit more, I think, or had more context because I understood that story. But basically, the reason why people react to her that way is that she is extraordinary looking, like, like just looks like an angel kind of, but also dangerous. Right. Like she's very. I mean, she's something like, um, apparently she's like a lot taller than Ruby. Um, and a lot like slimmer. And so there's all this stuff about like when she shapeshifts out and they do it a little bit with this, but the clothes don't fit. And like, there's all sorts of weird things happening. Um, because <laughs> well, when Ruby shapeshifts out of uh, Hillary, right. First of all, all of those are amazing. The, the, the just, effects. Yeah. I mean, you know, it, it brought back a little like American werewolf in London, mm-hmm. like no, number one, don't want to be a shapeshifter kind of thing. It's really violent and disgusting. Um, and the bone cracking is amazing. Like the effect Ugh. is really good here. Um, but you know, the big thing is, is that walking around as a white woman, she's experiencing white privilege in a way. Um, she gets free ice cream though. Yeah. It's weird. Like, again, I don't know that that adds up. I think it's obviously a little bit of a fantasy here. Cause that definitely doesn't happen. That's um, like some Pleasantville stuff yeah, or something. And that, I think I, that's I, deliberate here. I mean, I think it's supposed yeah. to be playing along those lines. Like there's definitely yeah. a little bit of that. Um, fantasy going on um, and you know I do I do think they're l- clearly trying to hit home you know the difference that Ruby feels when she's in her own skin versus in this person's skin and that's where they're going here um, but even you know immediately like Ruby's all confused as you would be waking up in a in a body that's not your own you must think you're going crazy and she's like out in the street in a bathrobe and gets treated with respect um, by the police to some extent. Um, And she also has to basically protect this boy that ran into her. Like she gets like a real, they really push this theme and it's, you know. I like that they, they, they launched really early in the episode with her coming into contact in a black neighborhood with, with black people. And and she's too busy freaking out and in her own head to, to react fast enough. Right. She's just getting herself into trouble. Right. And what I was curious about, though, was what their explanation was for how she gets from the mansion to that neighborhood. They yeah. don't really explain it. No, they don't. And I mean, I guess, you know, she just probably gets there because that's what she knows. But yeah, agreed. I think that's kind of weird. 
Um, and then the police bring her back and, you know, treat her as if she's, you know, with, like with kid gloves and she's going to a very wealthy house because obviously William is there and had called it in. Um, and then we see the metamorphosis, which is just absolutely disgusting. Well, this first one is extremely violent and William yep. cuts Ruby her out, out of Hillary's out skin. Out of Hillary's skin. So, um, yeah, it's, um, it's definitely... Um, a very vis- visceral and visual effect. Um, I was really impressed with it, though. Um, and even the ripples, like, you know, her bones crack. We see, like, the skin ripple in a totally disgust, you know, like that way that you, you like, she's, it's almost like something's under her skin, which it is. It's Ruby mm-hmm. kind of coming out of this. Um, and, you know, she she is, William basically says, go in out and enjoy and have this freedom and, She's kind of seems like she's iffy about it, but then clearly takes him up on it and just goes back for more and more and more. Right. She totally gets into this. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So she. Why not? Like, she's like tired of being interrupted. Right. So this is one way that she can. You know, she can live in a way that does not feel like shit. So I get it. Uh, But I don't. (laughs) It's kind of interesting and, and funny in a way that she that she is drawn back to Marshall Fields. And um, I think she uses her own resume. She does. Um, and then that's what infuriates her even more when she finds yeah. out that the one um, black woman that's been hired has absolutely no experience. Um, and she's angry about it. And then there's this weird thing because she also wants to help her, sort of, but not really. She's kind of, like, yeah. mad about it. She's pretty mad. <laughs> and, you know, and she has these weird interactions with all the white people she works with. And the boss is, like hitting on her and doing weird stuff with her and that he apparently is not doing with the other women, which is interesting. Um, and then, you know, she's really kind of, um, there's definitely this, is this what the world she actually wants to be in? Um, and you know, she definitely takes some power from it, you know, like, so she's just kind of, um, figuring things out in terms of what she wants to do or doesn't want to do. And um, she gets more and more, I would say, enthralled with William. And he's very seductive in terms of how he presents things to her. Um, And like, but basically, of course, there's going to be a cost for this and a favor. Um, He puts that fairly up front. Like the first time she wakes up. uh, Yeah. Sorry, I guess after the first time she's been Hillary, he's like, this is you can have as much of this potion as you want. Here's a giant stack of money, mm-hmm. and you can do whatever the whatever you want. I'm not going to even really be around that much because I've got things to do, and he's always gone. Right. So he leaves her to do her own thing, but he's like, however, I will ask you for a favor. Yep. And uh, it's going to be for a lady friend, which is not really true. I mean, maybe that's true. Because yeah, the the reveal at the end of this episode is just fantastic. Yep. Um, and. But that's a, that's like, yeah, so she knows she's in... A, what's great about this, too, is Ruby is completely aware that first moment when she's in the bathtub, which may be after the second time she's been Hillary, mm-hmm. she's like, look, I know that I am nowhere near special enough to deserve this, so why don't you just tell me what it is you want from me? Yep. Um, so she's completely aware that there's going to be another shoe that will drop, and he is like, well, look, I'm going to ask you for a favor. And uh, when that happens, until that happens, you're free to, I thought the wording of how he said that was pretty ominous because he's like, until then, you're free to do whatever you want. Like, meaning that after the favor, maybe things are going to change pretty precipitously also. Yeah. And we don't really know because the episode 
the episode ends fairly soon after the favor is accomplished, I yep. feel like. Yep, and the big reveal. Um, but, you know, in in terms of this whole theme of being in somebody else's skin, it's like, is this actually what she wants to be? Because she definitely, like, they go at one point when she's in Hillary's skin and they go to... Um, they go to a bar on the south side um, with some of the other women. They force the poor black woman who works with them to take them there. Um, and, you know, you definitely get this sense that she's kind of disgusted by just even being there. At Like, she's not really enjoying herself because this is like a different existence that she's not. She's like missing being there. You can see her looking at the musicians and... You know, she does her, she has to get out of the Hillary skin at that point. So there's definitely some self-loathing there or just a confusion and a conflict there. Um, And then, you know, parallel to this story going on is the stuff with Montrose. And he basically killed um, uh, Yaima and and Tick knows it. And Tick basically just gets violent with him because he knows he's done it to get rid of the pages and things like that. Letty does not know this until Tick reveals to her later. And he almost kills Montrose um, with his fists or if he, you know, and mm. he gets pulled off of him. But then we have Montrose, you know, living out some of the issues that he's having, which is he's closeted. Um, I will say that this is like a super violent sex scene that he has. um these two episodes are full of sex. Yeah, they're full of sex, but this one in particular is pretty violent. Um, and, you know, he's been living this undercover existence um, very similar to, similar to like what Ruby is going through. He's like figuring out identity. He has conflicts with who he is and who he wants to be. Um, and, you know, I thought it was very interesting that he's then sort of sitting in a room with a bunch of... Um, of drag queens you, you just sort of silent and and i would even say cocooned because that seems like they're they're all talking about metamorphosis in this episode on many mm. level uh, levels and metamorphosis is painful um and it's it's you know this is what ruby does when she comes out of the skin or in of um hillary and you know montrose you know he's both uh, freed, but also in pain when he comes out of his shell, basically. And um, there's this whole thing that they talk about where he won't kiss uh, his lover um, in, in public. Or his has lover it. is Jimmy, the guy from the bar. Yep, yep. Who Woody had even uh, insinuated to Tick when he got home yep. that they had been spending a lot of time together, Montrose and Jimmy. I think it's Jimmy. Yep. And so this has been, this was basically, uh, you know, hinted at in the very first episode um woody is another character on this show and he's not even in this episode but he's been in like two or three episodes now where he uh, he says something to tick at the beginning of the episode uh, season where he's like hey do you remember me and my name's i think it's woody or tr- something to do with trees because he's very tall. yeah because they call him tree yep um and and tick doesn't like him very much or you get that impression yep. and then he he like gets in the car when they drive to boston because he's got a, a a girlfriend in Philadelphia that he's trying to visit. I never understood why he they had to put him in the car to go to Philadelphia other than maybe just to remind you that he's a character on the show because he's going to come back later. I assume that's what it is. Yep. But just kind of interesting that there's this minor character running around being kind of influential or showing up at times and you're not really sure yet what his purpose is. Well, I'm sure he'll come back around because, I mean, that sure I thought that's... Sa- no, no. <laughs> uh, I thought the same thing, though. It's like, you know, why do you need to put him in this car? But... And then you don't do anything with him. Um, yeah. 
but you know you've got the same but you've got the same sort of like and i mean my gosh i mean i would imagine at this point in time being gay and being black and gay is just Mm -hmm. even a more marginalized um section of the population and i think that they play this pretty well and there's definitely you know a freedom that montrose has once he actually does you know go out to the dance floor and he's actually kissing jimmy um but there is definitely you know there's pain in it and there and then similarly ruby is dealing with all this stuff um just conflicts in her head and um and then william and uh christina basically kind of push her but christina specifically pushes her to be free in what she wants to do and ruby is pretty angry and uh this whole scene between her and the um the general manager guy is really messed up oh talk about violent sex scenes yeah so she yeah we, i don't know if we need to go into great detail about it but she takes out some revenge upon him and uh you know can't help but feel no no uh right because he tries for him i mean he tried to to rape uh tamra so but what was odd about that scene also is that ruby has just metamorphosized she's covered in skin flaps and blood and she's just kind of hiding and not doesn't do anything, doesn't try to intervene. And you wonder, is she the good guy here in this? In, in this well, scenario? I mean, I think she's definitely seeming very self motivated. Well, right, but I also think that the implication is is that Tamara got the job because he did this to her, um, maybe, and was taking these favors out with her, and basically hmm. that's how she got the job. And that's I don't know because what... he's also like, I want to smell you down there. Yeah, I've heard, you know, rumors. Yeah. So I think, I, yeah, I don't know. It's interesting. It's, it's Ru- but Ruby is like, you know, definitely pissed <laughs> without question. Um, and With this is reason. also the favor she has to do is um, she has to be Ruby to do it. And they give they give her a, a, a waitress uniform, and she has to go and serve cocktail or serve deviled eggs at a yep. at a lodge cocktail party for Captain Lancaster, the guy who we've yep. seen before with Letty in the back of the van. And that's also what's interesting about this episode is Ruby hasn't been involved in any of this, and so she's never met William or Christina or Captain Lancaster. But we know all these other people because of right. uh, their their roles in in other episodes. So she uh, <laughs> she plants the rock, which is her whole job is to plant a rock. And uh, and then ends up in a closet with a torture victim. Yep. Super nasty. And we also see that Captain Lancaster has some sort of skin graft or maybe a torso graft. It's it almost not looks like a torso graft. And remember, he was friends with Hiram or whatever his name yeah. was. And this, it appears that he has the torso of a black man. I right. Right. And um, also, Christina, uh, uh, Christina, you know, has basically encouraged ruby to do this because apparently this captain had you know there's this whole story about how he threw injured william threw him in the river left him for that for dad and this was going Mm -hmm. to help william so clearly ruby has some feeling about william on this level that's her sales pitch is if you feel anything for william you'll do this for him right um and so and then um william had revealed to her before that he got the potion or he basically got the knowledge of the magic to the for the metamorphosis transformation from um Hiram so this was um you know but this is the first I mean look Ruby's reaction I mean she's really upset to see the dude in the closet but like this is you know dark pretty dark stuff um so when she comes back um and you know 
just does does her thing and and gets her revenge um it doesn't stop her from using magic um and she she does one last at least in this episode one last transformation and and basically takes her revenge out on on paul um it's pretty rough mr hughes she rapes him with a stiletto which is fitting and it's really just brutal i mean you see her whole metamorphosis it's really gross and bloody and um really crazy and then um she she basically goes back to the house and she's still all like you know just wrapped up i I really have to wonder how she gets back to the house looking like that but she exits the last scene and she just appears to walk into marshall fields like on the floor right but how does she get home yeah very curious yeah um and we've also had more love scenes between tick well one at least between tick and letty they are first at first he's um his rage is so terrifying that she is very scared of him and then he apologizes and basically does a lot of work this episode to uh, to yeah. try and win her trust back um big sex scene between them and then a lot of discussion about are these pages evil uh she has taken photos of them and he's trying to decode them with uh you know whatever tools he has at hand which are not a lot and but at the, by the end of the episode he seems to have a breakthrough and has figured out at least one sentence that drives him to phone uh, Gia in South Korea. There's a, there's been some implication before, like he's called her, not talked before. There's definitely something, and we know what he saw, or at least sort of what he saw. There's stuff that happened in South Korea that we don't know about, and that's pretty clear. Um, and you know, he's he's kind of spent this um, this ep- We we get to see. Um, you know, while he's been translating the stuff and he, he lets Letty into a couple of things. One is that he tells her that Montrose killed um, uh, Yahima. And the other is that he did have this relationship and that's a little bit of why he screwed up. And he says things were weird. Um, he doesn't exactly <laughs> yeah. tell details and we find out in the next, ep- next episode what was so weird. Um, it really gets you excited to watch the next episode. Yeah, good, yeah. Good so there is so there is that. Um but it's... And also the big the big big reveal here is when finally Ruby's been curious about this locked door in the mansion, the only door that's locked to the basement, and uh, William comes home and she's like, "What's going on with this door and you and Christina and, and I'm you know whatever?" And and then William's like, oh, "Okay, yeah, cool." And then he starts to change and it's not like a huge surprise i guess when christina comes out but it's also it's still just like a cool reveal well Uh, and i will say i loved this twist because in the original story this is the caleb like christina is not even a character like it's all caleb um and there is you know so this was like a pretty cool reveal not totally shocking given you know I, i feel like christina's hinting at this and it isn't too too far of a leap but it was a pretty cool reveal um and you know, I I definitely I thought this was this was a pretty good like twist. Um, and again, those metamorphosis scenes are just amazing, um, yeah. where they just like transform. Um, and you know, look, it's gonna like you just wrap your head around, um, um, you you just wrap your head around like all these like different themes, and you have to really think about the different themes of identity and and freedom and. Um, honesty about who you are and, you know, all the different, you know, one of the things that, that Ruby says is that, you know, 
it, like the the white women that she's working with just want to be black women and vice versa and they all hate each other and so there's not like like there's just this really they, they kind of explore this all throughout the theme of this particular episode um and you know and also the theme of christina telling her that what, what we're offering you isn't just whiteness it's the power to do whatever the hell you want to do because right. magic gives you that and i think that's going to be really interesting to see if ruby continues down that road well right and i way. also christina is saying that she you know we've seen that she had been limited because she was a woman um which is probably why she does the stuff she does as william and um so there that is an interesting twist too that you know that she has a level of power but it isn't as much power as she has as a white man um and so there is there is that uh theme that i think will come back as well um so i think we're ready to talk about the next episode which is Indeed. um Mimi you know and Degu. yep which is all of uh, all about um primarily gia who we just heard about um from tick um and you know it's it's basically about her life in south korea it really it really nicely plays out this storyline and she lives with her mother They're, they seem to be in somewhat poverty she loves judy garland films like go like as an escape goes goes and watches those but her um, her and her mother are kind of socially outcast um so she's going to nursing school to try to raise their fortunes weirdly her mother keeps telling her that the only way that they'll get back into status is that if if Gia brings men home which is a weird thing and I wasn't quite certain what that meant at first I thought it was like you need to get married girl you need to marry up but um, she kept saying men so I'm like what yeah. does it mean does she get paid like does she do something is she a like is she somehow getting information from them I was like it can't just be that um and then it turns out that it's actually like something really insane um which you know I I did not um so I knew that there was a there she is a you know we see her doing this speed dating thing and she brings home one guy who apparently well, seems not for, not from that even like the speed dating I think was just to really show us that she has no idea how to talk to people right that she tries she tries a few different what things uh one of them she even seems to have a connection with but then he still marks her as a ex which yep. is just really harsh uh, the other, the other two. One, she does like a, a quote from a Judy Garland movie, and the guy's like, "American propaganda, you're evil." Yep. And I forget what the first thing she said to the other guy was, but he was just, he just didn't even say anything. And well, and she's right mimicking there. things that she heard uh, this other woman say, who she likes yeah. and admires, and so she just doesn't sound uh, authentic, and they get that. Um, but she just can't win. Um, this actress, though, is uh, Fudge. What's her name? The one who uh, plays. I had it. The one who plays the one who plays Gia. She's an American actress. Her name is Jamie Chung, um, and she comes to me in, in my consciousness from The Gifted, which was like mm. a two season uh, X Men adjacent show about Inhumans. Oh. Uh, and she played Clarice Fong or Blink. She could make like teleportation gates with her oh, fingers. That's cool. Uh, yeah, she, she was like an elf, elfin sort of looking character she was super super cool um and i really i enjoy seeing her in this different role but um definitely kind of love her so uh, i don't know if you'd ever seen her in anything i had not i had not but um the i know that the woman who plays her best friend um like I, i she looks very familiar to me so i have to see who she actually is um but um you know, we we are we're kind of following. She has just these like, um, 
she's a, I think she's a fantastic actor, so I would love to see her in other stuff too. So I'm gonna probably have to look at Gift the Gifted and all that. But um, that was that was a good show for yeah, that was a good show. I think it's canceled, but um, it was it was fun to watch. Yeah. Um. So um, but basically she manages. She brings home this other guy. She goes to a bar and and brings home this dude. And uh, they seem to see, she seems to be moving pretty fast. And uh, I think we all know that something's up when she lights the candles, uh, right? I mean, you're like, okay, you have a weird love room in your house with your mom, and you can light all these candles at one time. Mm-hmm. Something ain't right. Something's about to go wrong. Um, I, I, and I, I wrote in my notes, I think this guy's going to die. And then, yep, hairy tentacles from every hole is what I <laughs> Yeah. Well, I was like, uh, you know, I think, it was pretty clear he was going to die and he dies pretty horribly. I mean, I mean, every single, this is like just so violating and weird. And, um, you know, her mother names what she is later, which is, uh, um, Kumiho, Kumiho, uh, which, um, there's also, which is a Fox, a nine tailed Fox spirit. Um, and you know, there is definitely a, like similar in Japanese folklore, there's also a, like a Fox spirit, um, and has a similar set of, um, characteristics, which is, you know, typically they are supposed to take revenge on, you know, on men for things that have happened to women. Um, there's like a few different things. The interesting thing, they've twisted this particular legend a little bit. So, um, we, we, eventually find out from her mother that she's supposed to take 1000 souls and then she, 100 sorry 100 100 souls uh, are you sure 100 are you sure yeah i yeah, thought it was, it was a, um once she does that she becomes human again and the host she's using or the body she's using is this woman's daughter um and she had called on the shaman to bring the gumiho into existence because her husband had been raping her daughter, who was not his daughter. It was his stepdaughter. It's a whole messed up story. Right. Honestly. Uh, and I, I, I'm pretty, I was pretty engaged just in that part of the story before Atticus even shows up later in the episode. So it's pretty cool. Right. Um, so, and there's all this discussion about whether, you know, because she, one, when she does kill these men, um, she takes all of their memories and so she has all she has all of their memories and uh can spout that stuff back out but apparently cannot feel love according to her mother and herself like that's why she's so bad at sort of imitating human things although it does i mean she definitely does have some um feeling for her friend that ends up being accused of being a um a communist spy um which is kind of how she meets tick or a super messed up scene yeah. where they are effectively shooting innocent people to get the... Like, this is just a straight-up villain scene. Like, I've seen this in Star Wars movies, uh, where or not movies, but the game, video games, um, Fallen Order. It's like, all right, one of you is a rebel spy. Um, we're just going to start shooting everybody in this line until somebody confesses. And it's, it's troubling to see that as something that the American military was doing in the Korean War. I... I am conflicted by that. I mean, not not like it hasn't surely has never happened because war crimes happen. But man, yeah, it's pretty brutal. Uh, Yunja is her or Yunja is her friend, and um, 
you know, she's a communist and they, you know, I also think there's something else going on. She might be gay because um, she's also there's, very... There's some touching. Yeah. yeah and um, so, you know, I think uh, Yoon Ja thinks that uh, <laughs> Jia is actually gay as well because they kind of like have these weird interactions. But Jia's more like, I no, man. I wasn't sure because their conversations are like, it's okay to be different. But I couldn't tell if... Her friend wasn't like, no, I'm different. Like I'm a communist. Could have been that. Could have been maybe. something else. There was but, a few different but, things. Either you know, way, they were not talking w- about the same stuff. They yeah. were not, and and Gia definitely. You know, I don't think uh, her friend thought that. You know, hey, you're different because you're a nine-tailed fox spirit. Um, hmm. So there, there's that going on. Um, but there's a lot of talk of monsters, and there's a lot of talk of what. Um, horrible acts what they do to your soul what they do to you as a person and you know gia saw a tick kill this woman right next to her and saw him take her friend away yeah obviously she was gonna get killed um and probably he did these things without any hesitation right there was no no there was no pause um and then later on he ends up in her hospital injured and she's like okay I had told my mom that I wasn't going to take another soul because I wanted to stay in this body. Like, she basically had rejected what she was supposed to do, much to her mother's chagrin. But when she sees Tick, she she becomes convinced that he should be the last soul that she's going to take. Um, but, you know, given where he is, he's been injured. He's he's clearly going through some mental trauma. We see the Tick that we have gotten to know, basically, throughout this series. But we're seeing, you know, a kind of a different version of him. A little more naive, a little more innocent. Yep. Um, but he's definitely a person that's vulnerable and in pain and yeah. he he's winning her over. Like he does all these like super nice things for her. He clearly he doesn't recognize her. Um, the super nice thing that he's doing, like the the movie date night yeah. was set up in a way that was supposed to be frightening, I think. Like it was, it was it was juvenile. And I think that that's also probably good writing that they were set they're not they're making him not super like uh, thoughtful yeah like marching her into the base having to pretend that she's a hooker yep and having his friend sung kind of be really gruff with her yeah that's this is scary. all setting her up to think oh my what's gonna happen i'm gonna be killed or something yeah. and then it's a it's a beautiful date night it's like what this yeah. is not how you set up a beautiful date night. no 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 um and you know he could have yeah it was just not it wasn't good um, but I also feel like his friend was like being judgy too, so maybe that was part of it as but well. Then he's the projectionist; like he's totally in on it and yep. helping out. And you're like, oh, okay. yeah. And they also have cool discussions. Idea, guys. But they also have discussions about why Tick and his friend are there, how they're yeah. treated in America as people of color, um, and she doesn't understand it at all. She's just sort of like, well, you know. And then um, his friend is um, is American, but of of uh, Korean descent, and so basically is like yeah but here i'm also called something you know like he's also treated poorly so there's nowhere for him to be and then tick basically says the same thing um and so in any case um you know it ends up that she takes him back to her house to kill him and he turns out to be a virgin which i think somehow makes her pause um because you know he's he's she doesn't know what to do she's very conflicted because he did all this crazy nice stuff for her and i do think she's feeling something um but ultimately she cannot bring herself to uh sleep with him because she feels the the nine tails coming out um maybe it's that or maybe yeah she just doesn't want to even put him in harm's way so she tells him to get out and then uma is there and looking very mm -hmm. disapproving in the doorway and there's nothing to make a 
uh, Atticus run faster from their house than the side of the, the grandma or whatever. Yeah. Mom staring at him disapprovingly. But really, her disapproval is all for Gia. Yeah. Uh, it's, it's, a weird, it's a weird start to their relationship. Yep. And then the next scene, I think, is one of the best ones in the whole episode where she goes back to the base the next day. Yeah. And, uh, and he's mad at her because of how it went down. And then she tells him, like, I was going to kill you because you killed my friend. Mm-hmm. And this is actually where uh, I Jamie Chung's uh, American accent comes out because yeah. she's, like, so emotional. <laughs> but I was fine with that. I was like, you know what? That's cool. And maybe it's the the, Kumi, the Kumiho uh picking up on accents and you can explain it away but she is like bawling and telling him what why she that she was going to kill him and that they're both monsters and that um that doesn't mean that they can't be nice people because they can try to be as good as they see the other person or something along those lines they're both crying they're hugging i was i was not crying for the record but i was uh, emotionally uh there for them and uh and then they have sex in the movie room which is weird but yeah they they're like hey let's just go back on the base and have that sex yep and they kind and of that one that sex goes okay yep yep um and then you know she she basically tells her mother she's in love with him and that she's able to control like her her spirit and her mother's like no the only reason why he loves you is because he he doesn't know that you're a monster um and so there's this like you know we we see like yeah. time progress because he's gonna be um, potentially rotated off the base and, and want- she's trying to read him a book about kumihos i know i know she's like trying to tell him hey these foxtail things they aren't so bad check out check out this book about these spirits and i'm gonna tell you about it he's like listen i might be going back to the states he's like not he's not he's not listening yeah um and he's trying to get her to come with mm-hmm. and she's like no like you don't know there's a lot you don't know about me um and then i think that they I don't know if that was when they have sex and suddenly she is not able to control the tentacles. Well, it's uh, not she's clear. She's like fighting her, own, her yeah. own tentacle tails. Yeah, she's fighting herself to try to not kill him. and then, But then during the, the encounter, she sees all this crazy stuff about him. She also sees that he tortured and killed her friend, which is rough. Mm-hmm. Or it was at least part of the torturing, yeah. and pulling then, teeth out of her face. And then um, sees stuff which we know is probably from uh, like what's happening to him now because of the brothers of adam and basically yeah. sees that he a bunch dies. of stuff that we haven't seen right and right and he he manages to detach himself from her and is freaked out as one would be if they've been you know sucked with with foxtails i guess and she throws him like yeah. it's not like he saves himself she no. clearly restrains the her kumiho stuff throws him across the room and like, once again he's running out <laughs> <laughs> running out of the house yeah like, what's happening he doesn't even know what's happened and it's like yeah well maybe you don't want to know what's happened this is kind of freaky so um, that's how their relationship ended weirdly yeah he tells letty it's like yeah dude you have been to the other you like the curtain has been parted and you have seen some strange things so it like kind when, of when he why says he's kind of okay with a lot of the other stuff that's been going on right and when when he says it ended weirdly i don't think letty has any in, in her imagination could ever think that this is what how it ended weirdly but anyway um oh, so so her mother is actually pretty kind to her because she's all like bereft and takes her to see the shaman to find out whether tick is actually going to die or not um and it's kind of a cool scene the visuals of the scene are amazing mm-hmm. um 
and you know there's a fox hanging out the shaman's kind of cool looking there's lots of like breeze going snow um, and uh cherry blossoms and they're both dressed in like these fancy outfits her mom and uh and gia and yeah and then the shaman has a crazy voice and she's just like you're so silly you came here with one more soul to take uh, and does a little bit of a ritual with a burned thing and then is like she says you're not one with the darkness yet and mm-hmm. you will see countless deaths before your time is done or something along those lines yep no idea what that's supposed to mean maybe that means that the hundred souls um limit is not a real limit and she has to she'll be tentacling more men to death yeah maybe who knows that was very unclear to me what the what that was what my takeaway was supposed to be from that yeah but i think we're gonna see more of her probably these worlds will collide at some point don't you think i hope so i wonder if she's coming to the states i mean it seems like probably. the most likely way for this to work out uh, rather than in everybody yeah <laughs> all the freemans and the everybody going and the to Rubies. south korea <laughs> everybody going to daegu i think yeah i think we're gonna have to see gia come to the u.s of a which yep. um which would be great yeah uh, so I, I i do want to just point out and and ha you and i've talked about this offline like there are no white characters in this show who are good people nope that can be challenging yep for people of, of the white persuasion who don't think of themselves as evil racist motherfuckers true um and i think that's necessary for this story to be told the way they want to tell it and it is partially i will say and not a hundred percent but it's partially fantasy that obviously that all white people are evil and racist and that um they get free ice cream when you go to the store (laughs) to me that just kind of seals that part of the storytelling here right um and i think that as a caucasian person who's watching the show and talking about it that can be hard to that can be hard to watch and hard to hard to like you know wrap your head around and your emotional response to it, but it is also about well I what mean, these what these writers are the story they're trying to tell and the perception that people of color can feel about living in this country. Well, and also I will do flip this on you, which is that you know part of you know the whole Lovecraft thing, part of why they did this, um, and this story was written in the way it was, is because, you know, his portrayal of people of color is this, like, negative thing, and mm-hmm. uh, I think it's imagining if you're a person of color watching this or reading this, like the Lovecraft stories and whatever, and how you would probably feel. And and I think that that's quite a deliberate uh, storyline they are taking to flip that on its head. Um, So that's not totally shocking to me that it's got this, um, like this particular theme going on. Um, So, you know, and it's, look, it's, this this was filmed not like honestly what was this filmed in 2019 i think 18 2018 um and they were doing this then and i think that the significance of this and the impact of it is that much more given what's happening right now in our country so um it's probably something that needs to be out there and i you know i i think that at this these two episodes especially i think did a pretty incredible job i think they were really well done um and explore those themes really well um and so i think we'll have to see what happens as the rest of the show 
comes to pass. And, and, and I mean, look, you have to have those terribly uncomfortable discussions, right? Um, this is not a comfortable time to live in. Um, and it shouldn't be. And I think especially in the the last episode, just even the discussions amongst Gia, who truly doesn't understand what's happening in America, like all she sees are like the Judy Garland films and things like that. Yeah. Um, and so she's got this very idealized way of looking at it. Um, and even the films themselves, if you if you look at the ones that they chose, they chose uh, Meet Me in St. Louis. Um, and what was the other one? Summerstock. Like we're talking about just like the very, um, just the beyond technicolor versions of America that would be projected in these other places. Um, so I think that those discussions of of culture and fantasy and things like that that are happening are important, and how they're just not real. So it's you know that's kind of a, a, a an important serious note to to end our conversation about these two episodes on. So. Yeah. One other, one final, final, final point that I want to make, and not really about that last topic, but about how much I think Jamie Chung might be an amazing individual, is that she got married on Halloween. Yeah, that's pretty cool. Yeah, that is pretty cool. Okay, so next time we're going to get together, we are going to actually talk about Walking Dead, right? Yep. The finale! Woohoo! Yeah, we're we're not going to put together a podcast next weekend. We generally you know, carve out time on Sundays. Uh, we're going to do one midweek, the week after next, I guess. And um, to talk about the, the mid-season, not the mid-season. It kind of feels like a mid-mid-season because there's going to be six more episodes after this. But the uh, season 10 finale, as it once was, and so we'll be covering that. And then there's so much more happening because that's October, and October, as we know, is now Zombie Central for 2020. If you want to uh, talk to us about... Uh, these episodes, send us an email at reanimatedpodcast at gmail.com or uh, tweet at us, reanimatedpcast, or you can leave a note on our website, uh, reanimatedpodcast.com. And uh, I'm curious to hear what people think about these two episodes, so, so let us know. Um, and until next time, ciao and stay safe, everyone. Thank you, and a goodbye. <laughs>